Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stuff About Sales. I'm Hannah Pensick, here with my co-host, James Troiano. And today we have a great guest with us. We have got sales executive Dan Reinbald, who I'm going to let introduce himself in just a moment. But um, we've got a really cool topic today. So we're talking about how to avoid a bad hire. Um, I think this topic is going to appeal to leaders and reps alike. So we're super excited to get into it. Dan, welcome. Thanks. Yeah. Happy to be here. Good. We appreciate you yeah. coming on. Yeah. To, to give give the audience a little bit about your background. Uh, well, since college, it's been sales and sales leadership. Um, I've had a variety of other opportunities uh, to expand upon those duties. Uh, vice president of account management for a billion dollar telecom base, uh, customer service, uh, leading inside sales teams, uh, BDR rooms, pretty much anything to do with sales. Um, but I would say the three things would be salesman, sales leadership, uh, and sales training. So what you're saying is you've been and, on the block. You've been yeah, block exactly. <laughs> been around the block a time or two. Um, that time or two, yeah, you can tell from the gray hair, right? Right, <clears throat> for sure. So this is what sales salespeople <laughs> will do to you. Hey, I'm uh, getting there. I'm getting gray hairs already I'm, from <laughs> my few months in sales management. Yeah, I'm <laughs> your few months. All right, well, I got a few decades. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm toast. I'm toast as well. You can't see it because my hair's short right now, but it's it gets it's pretty rough looking when uh when it's when it's grown out. Um, so, so Dan, we, 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 so for everybody listening, we crossed paths with Dan at Vonage where Ann and I currently work. And Dan was pretty instrumental in our hiring process there. Um, he was leading the, uh, the sales enablement. I know Dan, Dan, I'll let you riff on sales enablement in a second, but our sales training team, <laughs> he was the, he was the, the lead executive um, over that group. And Dan took the time, the, the time out of his day to interview um, all, all the account executives that we hired for a period of time there. And we appreciated it immensely. Um, so we wanted to have Dan come on to talk a little bit about his thoughts in terms of what makes a great hire. What doesn't make a great hire maybe is is a little bit um, or probably as important and get into the detail a little bit. So if there's any sales managers, sales leaders listening, um, and even account executives, like like what, what are sales teams looking for um, mm -hmm. in, in a successful hire and, and what's the best way to present yourself? So Dan, I don't know where you want to start there. Um, I don't know if you just want to like do like a quick two minutes on sales enablement. I I'm down. I'm down for that if, if you're if you're into that. Um, or we can just get into the, the hiring piece. <laughs> well, what James is alluding to everybody <laughs> is that I often say uh, I, I, this term enablement, I'm not sure I fully understand it. It's not really a word per se, uh, but it's more from sales training into sales enablement. It's very popular today, so so we'll go with that. But uh, let's, I'm gonna I'll, I'll refer to it as training. Um, but uh, yeah, let's just jump into hiring. And uh, so you guys uh, hit me with your questions, and uh, you can kick it off, and I'll go from there, and and we'll talk about uh, the hiring process, which is near and dear to my heart. Yeah. So, I mean, really just to jump right into it, Dan. So what is the process that you go through? I guess, what are the key factors you look for when you are hiring? Sure. And just to be clear, I'm going to focus on hiring salespeople. Yeah. 
And because, you know, if you're hiring, you know, like uh, my wife and I own a small business here in Charlotte. She does hiring for her business. That's a little bit different process, of course, mm-hmm. than it would be for hiring salespeople. Um, so when it comes to hiring salespeople, I really compare it to auditioning. And I think that's the best word because when you look at the highest paid people, they're usually athletes, performers of some sort, singers. And when you look across the spectrum, we all know their salaries are, you know, often well documented and published that the best of the best and what they're making. And really when you're looking at, at, at those people, uh, when it comes to, you know, American Idol, when it comes to a pro football team, you can call it a tryout. You, they call it an addition, audition in music or in acting. But really, I think we as sales managers and leaders have to look at hiring salespeople as more of an audition and not just this prototypical Q&A and I will, I'll give you bold, definitive statements on this, this podcast just for fun to tell you that, and I'll start with this one and say, look, traditional Q&A hiring doesn't work when it comes to hiring salespeople. Hmm. Um, you really have to put them into the game time situation and observe them. And even then, you could make a bad hire. But look, here's what training on anything, studying hiring, studying salesmanship, studying engineering, studying anything, it's all about reducing your probabilities of making errors and increasing your probability of success. So when I write a hiring process for a company, um, then I always break it down into these steps. And But I, when I'm training sales managers and sales leaders, I'm always reminding them, look, you may still make a mistake, but the hiring process is all about trying to increase your probability of making a good hire and conversely uh, increasing your probability of uh, reducing your probability of making a bad hire. Mm-hmm. Because once you hire them, you've got to live with them for a while. And even if you recognize your error quickly, it's still going to cost you a lot of time, grief, and the company is going to cost them a lot of money, and it could cost you the ability to to make your money right. and make your quota. So, look, we're depending on these people for our paychecks as sales leadership. So, I take the hiring process extremely seriously. So, is it okay if I drink some water while we do that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I think that's a great point that you make. Um, ideally, we would get to watch uh, people that were interviewing in their own element, doing discovery calls or demos with their company they're with. Maybe, maybe they're not with the company. Uh, maybe they're not you know, in that role now. Maybe they're, it's an, if you're hiring for an account executive, they're an SDR. So maybe it's not always apples to apples there. But what, what is the best way to simulate the experience that you're talking about? Because I think there's, there's different things that I've seen on how to do that. There's to put make them be creative and put together a presentation there's the the 30 60 the old old school 30 60 90 plan where you say here's your first 30 days here's your second 30 days here's your third 30 days and then there's the demo where you give them access to your demo environment and you have them go to town 
Um, but from your perspective, what is the most effective way to, to do it? Yeah, good question. I want people that can sell. Um, salespeople, anybody can write a 30, 60, 90 plan. And, you know, you can get on, uh, on email and write for your buddies and have a prototypical 30, 60, 90 plan for salespeople in your inbox probably within a half an hour. So to me, that the, these 30, 60, 90 plans, if you want that to be part of your process, make it part of your process. You have to be consistent within your process. But to me, I want people that can engage in the primary behavior well so that they can come in, which in this case, we're talking about selling. And I want to be able to evaluate them and their salesmanship. And so to me, that means setting up a simulation that is as close and realistic to what I'll call game time conditions to stick with the athletic analogy as possible. So I'm going to want them to come in and sell myself. And maybe you decide you want to have an engineer on the call with you or another manager on the call. You know, I'm a believer in, in team interviewing as long as the team is on the same page. And there's a big difference between team interviewing and these typical waterfall interviews where first I talk to you, James, then you send me to Hannah, and then you send me to your boss and then the boss's boss. And look, let's be realistic. Normally, people aren't comparing notes. They're not talking about resumes ahead of time. There's not a robust communication process going on. I don't have your notes when I go into the interview potentially with the person. You know, those things can only be as effective as they are organized and communicated well. Um, so let's go back and talk about the simulation. To me, it's, look, you guys work for Ronin. So if it's selling contact center or if it's selling UCAS, that's going to be their primary behavior, I'll call it. Then ideally, you're going to have them come in and sell uh, you know, contact center solution to you, a discovery call. You're going to have them do a UCAS call, whatever it is. Now, if you're choosing somebody out of the industry, that might be a little bit difficult for them. And so you would give them, in my opinion, two options. You would give them the option to sell what they sell right now because, look, they're telling you, I'm good at this. Or else you wouldn't be talking to them. Right. So they're saying, hey, I'm good at my job right now, but just based on these certain conditions, I'm interested in the opportunity at here at And so you would bring them in and have them sell what they sell now because they're used to that. You can get them in the, in the scenario that they're comfortable with, and it's something that they should be very adept at. If they by choice choose to say, well, look, I'll, I'll – study Vonage, and I'll do a Vonage discovery call. Well, that's great, but that might be a little bit more difficult for them. Now, if they're coming from a competitor, they're familiar with the space, then that might, might be a great way to do it. But the key is, this isn't a Q&A. This is an actual, you're going to sell myself, and let's say it's James, Dan, and Anna, and you're going to sell the three of us on this call, and we're going to ask you questions, and you can prepare the traditional PowerPoint if you want to, but PowerPoints don't sell. It's really about that person, the questions they ask, how they comport themselves, how they articulate the benefits, how they handle an objection you may give them. You, you set these things up 
to see how they perform. Right. And when you do that, you have a higher likelihood of making a good hire. That's one component. That's competency in sales. And then the other, I'll say, set of attitudes or behaviors that you'll look at is you got to ask yourself, do I want a team player? Do I want somebody who can take constructive criticism? Do I know somebody that knows Salesforce, uh, funnel management? And those secondary things to selling, well, then you would set up um, ways to, to demonstrate their competency if they told you they have it in those areas and test that out. Dan. Because it's not about what they say, it's about what they can do. Right. So question, because for me as, you know, a new manager, something that I'm looking for on my team is someone who's coachable. And I find that to be a difficult trait to enter, like to interview for. And I'm just wondering if you could elaborate <laughs> on ways or tips that you have for um, identifying if someone may or may not be coachable. So define coachable as a word, as Hannah Someone who is open to learning and is open to constructive criticism. Um, someone who's looking ah, okay. to continue to evolve, I guess, would be how I would identify sure. it. Yeah. So here's what you do, Hannah. You set up, let's use the term constructive criticism, because I think every sales manager is going to go through a period where they're going to have to go to that person and correct them. Right. They're going to say, hey, look, I did that call. All you did was ask closed-ended questions. You didn't acknowledge the customer's responses. You missed great pain points that you could have dug into. And if they uh, become upset or if they're not open to that feedback, that takes away your ability as a manager to do what you're paid to do, which is mm -hmm. manage. And manages it and when you're talking about salesmanship is just another way of saying coaching. Mm -hmm. So you're looking for somebody that can take constructive criticism. So this is the beauty of setting up the sales, uh, the sales scenario during the interview process at some point where they're selling you. So that because in that process, you're going to find something to criticize them about. And now, in real time, you can deliver that constructive criticism, and then you very carefully have to watch how they react. Yeah, that's great. And if you sense any disingenuineness or any anger or any of those clues that come that up, flag. <laughs> well, look, if they're trying to show that in the interview process, yeah. you can bet it's going to be 100 times worse when they're in a national. Yeah, that's a great point. And I've used that successfully many, many times. You know, I've had, I have, if, if, if the job involves picking up the phone and making cold calls, which is a really difficult behavior, and it's also one that most salespeople, even though they might be really good at it, quite frankly, they find distasteful. Right. So I ask them to do a cold call. Inevitably, you find something to criticize them about, and then you sit back and watch how they react. Uh, but though, that, that is the critical component. When, when I wrote about this, and I wrote this for a, a company uh, that was purchased by Windstream, and uh, when I wrote the hiring process for that company, I called it situational interview. If you can put them in the situation and have them perform, 
call it an addition, call it a tryout, call it what you want, then your chances of really seeing their true colors are uh, immensely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, and, and then you, and again, the key is game time conditions. So if you want, look, salespeople should by nature want to perform. They want to show off. They want to, to be successful and demonstrate their skills. So a good salesperson should be asking you when they can show you how well they can sell. Um, and, and so anybody that's kind of reluctant to that, and, and look, I, I've had people criticize me when I mentioned this. Like I had one VP at another company say, oh, you mean like sell me this pen? And I said, no, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Do you sell pens? <laughs> no, you don't sell pens. Don't, don't be good. You have them sell what they right. say now, and they're telling you they're let them demonstrate. Right. So, all right. So, a I, I, couple questions. Um, I want to hit on a few things that you said. So, I think the to the point, maybe this is kind of like the pen. So, maybe you're just going to shoot me down here. Is there any value <laughs> to, because like, may, maybe, but is there any value to um, creating a pitch? So, I think, here's my, let me just, this is where this, Questions coming from Dan. Let me just kind of preface it. So I I think that sometimes when you when you ha, ha, when you're a, a leader hiring an account executive, you if you have them come in and pitch, have the sales conversation around the product they're familiar with, you lose you you may lose some uh, the visibility into some traits that you are trying to assess when you're bringing somebody into a new organization, and and those things are ability to adapt, um, how quickly they can. Um, pick up on um, new information, like can they, yeah, resourcefulness. Like, for example, if you have them come in, it doesn't have to be your product, but maybe there's a third party pitch scenario that you create where you kind of put them on the spot in a couple days to come up with a sales conversation around some product they're not familiar with. It can kind of give you an understanding of their ability to come into your organization and ramp in and be successful. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, that's is it the case? I'm just overstating it, and it's just a one-off scenario. But I don't know. Those are my thoughts. Is there any? Are they valid at all, or am I off base? Yeah. No. Hey, look, you're hiring people with different yeah. levels. So, you know, let's say that you're 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 getting a um, somebody who you would accept into a position that doesn't have a sales experience. So you might be open to somebody like that. Um, so if they don't have sales experience, you may very well say, okay, look, I want you to research it, this particular product advantages. I want you to go out. There's a plethora of information on the web. Uh, you can send us questions. We can send you, uh, uh, you know, uh, a deck about it. <clears throat> so if you're looking at their ability to learn, adapt, and their resourcefulness, then you would set that scenario up. Uh, if you're talking about hiring for an enterprise sales executive, and look, I still, I highly disagree with anyone that says, well, if they've been in sales for 10 years, I'm not going to have to do a sales presentation. Mm -hmm. I think that's ridiculous. They should, if anything, you, your answer would be, oh, they'll kill it. They'll blow it out of the water. So it's not a big deal. Yeah. Let them do it. Because, look, I've seen so many people that have been in sales for, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, but it's the same year of experience 20 times. They never learned anything. They never got better. They still haven't sharpened their skills. So, um, you know, we are, we're somewhat strapped now in 2021, a little bit more because of, of 
laws and regulations where, you know, you used to be able to, almost in every state, ask for proof of income. You could ask for stack rankings. You could look at awards. A lot of HR departments now say you can't do that, and you have to play by those rules, right? So that makes this part of the interview process even more important. But to go back and address your statements and questions specifically, if you're looking for resourcefulness, then by all means say, look, here's our product set. I want you to research it, and I want you to do the best you can uh, even though you haven't sold this before, uh, in presenting that. But once you do that, you must be consistent in your interview process for everyone you interview. So mm. you have to do it that same way. And, and that's something that's very important to be fair and equitable in hiring. Um, now, let's say that your process is, first, it's a phone screen interview. And you have a list of questions that you go through that you ask them where you determine yes or no, I'm going to take this person to the next step. So then you say the next step is a interview with James and Hannah. And so they have a video interview, which is kind of a prototypical Q and A. And you say, Hey, look, you're used to being on the phone. Uh, You have to make cold calls. You told me you're good at this. Leave your cold call pitch on me. So that might be part of your, your first interview. I'm not saying it has to be, I'm just saying it could be. And then I'm going to circle back to an important point again. And then let's say they pass that step. So now there are two steps. And now the third step is you give them their homework, and that's going to be do a sales presentation to us and maybe a couple other people about this particular product. And it's a full-blown sales call. They're asking you open-ended questions. You're responding. They're trying to give you the features and benefits and the advantages of those. You know, you might give me this to negotiating, et cetera. You might give a few objections, see how they handle it. And then at the end, you can give them constructive criticism and see how they react. What I'm saying is, is that if that person flunks out of step one, they don't have to go to step two. But if there went step one, step two, step three, every one of those steps should be the same for each candidate so that you have good equity in hiring and you conform to all the laws and regulations these days. So if your third step is a sales presentation on bondage, then it should be the same third step for every candidate that makes it to that point. Yeah, that it sense? does. So, all right. So and since did I it does. Yeah, completely. I actually have, I actually have more questions now. So since we're, since since the the theme of the of the podcast is how to avoid a bad hire, what what are what are some things? What do you weigh weigh the most when you're in a presentation stage of the demo? I want to talk to you. I, there's other things I want to talk to you about, by the way, about just the. So you brushed over that there's a Q and A portion of the demo where you actually do need to probably ask questions about their background and history and find some things. We need to chat about what's important there, but from a well, that would be in step, step one, one, sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. What are some red flags, yeah. though? Like, if they, if you do a sales presentation and they they present to you, like, what are you, what's most important? Is it like that they like their aptitude for the product? Is it um, is it like some other presentation skill or what? What? Just I guess I'll let you I'll let you run with that. But yeah, a couple things. So, <clears throat> look, the best salespeople 
understand how to how to ask great open-ended questions agreed and now you're getting into where i i actually have a checklist when when i'm having somebody in a sales presentation so did their questions revolve around great open-ended questions who what why when where how tell me more please explain when i answered those questions did they listen mindfully did they maybe take some notes and then did they acknowledge my answer? So that's question, answer, acknowledgement. So that's another technique. If I gave them buying clues or if I gave them a clue, and I'll give you an example from a real call, uh, the decision maker said, well, when they were asked how many locations you have by the rep, the answer from the decision maker said was just like this. This was a, this was a recorded call I listened to. Well, we currently have five. Well, immediately my brain heard the word currently. And that then opens up two potential options. Option one is they're either growing or they're contracting. Why would you use the word currently? The rep assumed they were growing which you don't assume and went on a tangent about that but it actually turned that this is the height of covid last year and they were talking about reducing offices and expenses so you really assess their their listening skills and then what i call logical sequence because the next logical thing would be to acknowledge that and say okay you, you know i hear you saying you currently have five but i noticed you use the word currently james what exactly does that mean? See, that's good logical sequence. It also shows I listen to you, but it also doesn't assume anything. So now you're going to tell me, well, Dan, we're trying to cut expenses. We've had a heck of a time. We've got to be remote, so we're cutting offices. So we're probably going to reduce that five down to three. That's yeah. great information. Now, if they said, hey, look, business is booming, and we're going to expand for five to ten, well, great information. But there's no assumption there. See, that's good salesmanship to me. So we've covered open-ended questions. We've covered question-answer acknowledgement. We've covered mindful listening. And we've covered picking up on, on the proper clues in the proper sequence. And I call that logical sequencing. So there's four bullet points right there for your list of when you assess people doing sales calls of what you listen for. And then by the same token, if they violate some of those, at the end, the Hannah's point, you can come back and say, well, you know, James, you made an assumption there and you, you know, went past the fact that I said currently and you assumed we were growing and that's not the case. So you have to make sure you, you know, listen for those things. And then you see how they react. If they're like, well, I, I thought I knew what you meant and they get a little defensive. Well, they're not coachable. They're going to be that way when you hire. Exactly. Even more so. Yeah, that's good. You know. So, um, so that's an example of, you know, in the game time situation. Now, understand that it doesn't have to be perfect. If I have somebody that does a really bad phone call call or doesn't do a great discovery call, it doesn't mean I can't hire them. But what it does give you is intelligence on what you need to work with them on should you choose to hire them. Yeah. You know, so 
you know, you, you have lots of good bullet points, but it's also giving you extremely valuable information on what, if you choose to hire them, you'll need to start coaching them. All right, so let's go back. It Did does. Let's go back to the part one of the interview process. Um, Q&A, Q Q&A. Is there, what is, um, let me ask you like an interesting question. This, maybe it's not, but what, what do you see, what do you have in, from throughout your history, throughout your whole history, what is, what is the most, what is the worst line of interview questioning that you've ever heard? That you, that you see, that you continue to I like to this see, question. Like that I'm, you continue I'm on to the edge see, of my seat. <laughs> yeah. So, so honest to goodness, I was, this is probably about five years ago, I was in a seminar on hiring. And I was part of a small audience. And they had flown in, uh, you know, I think there were four, there was quite a few presenters, and, but they were all from the same company, and I won't name the company. And uh, not that, that age has anything to do with it, but based on their age, ages, they didn't have a lot of experience in hiring. Now, I'm not being prejudicial. I actually, on a break, talked to a couple of them and said, you know, how many salespeople have you hired in your career? You know, how many salespeople have you managed? And it turned out, you know, they were there to deliver this seminar, but two of the four hadn't really managed any salespeople and hadn't really hired salespeople. Now, this is an absolutely true story. So we go back into the seminar and they set up a little role play and they were very, uh, they were very genteel about it. And one of the interviewers, when they were done, they asked for questions from the audience and, you know, I, I raised my hand cause they said, well, what, what's a question you feel they missed? And I said, when the person talked about where they left their previous job, they didn't ask them why. And I am, I'm not exaggerating. The person presenting at the time put their hands up and went, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't like to ask why questions. And so being me, I said, <laughs> why? And uh, <laughs> got a chuckle out of the room and the presenter said, uh, well, we find those to be too confrontative. And I had to refrain from banging my head on my desk because to me, that was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard is that these are salespeople. They face confrontation and should every be day. facing it and accepting it and performing under it oh, every yeah. single day. And you're telling me you're not going to ask why questions. <clears throat> so I was absolutely befuddled by that. So. I don't think that's what you were going for, James. That's good. But that was no, one that's, of the most good. crazy pieces of advice that I've seen given. Now, hey, look, maybe some people in the room were like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I don't want to be confrontative. I'll never ask a why question of a candidate. I personally thought it was yeah. ludicrous, um, especially. So, when do you think with that's someone. a really so, important question to uh, ask then? Is, is why, I mean, why are, why are we on the phone? Like, opening with that, just, hey, what brings you? to this conversation why are you interested in in a new opportunity 
I'm going to give that a resounding okay. oh, yeah, Hannah. I mean, that, that to me is such a key question of, hey, look, what, what prompted you to, to, to be interested yeah. in talking to me today? And that, that, to me, it's analogous to mm-hmm. when you're on a sales call. And when I'm teaching salespeople on the first initial discovery call, after the schmoozing part, you know, the warm-up where you, you looked at their LinkedIn profile and maybe you found some common ground and you have a little schmoozing talk while everybody's joining. But to me, one of the key questions right at the beginning of the sales call is, you know, to the prospect, hey, what prompted you to, to, to take Absolutely. this meeting with us today? That's perfectly analogous to when you have an interviewee you know, saying, hey, why did you take it? And if they say, well, your recruiter reached out to me. Well, I understand that. But what's your motivation for taking the TMI today to find Digging. out? Digging. what we try to do as salespeople and is we- dig. And curiosity is a big theme or what I try to pass along to my new reps and reps on my team who might be struggling with, like, discovery calls and sales processes. Curiosity. So I, I think... Yes. If I'm... Do you recommend this? I'll tell you something I struggle with personally. I struggle with asking the same questions to every candidate and being consistent because the conversation kind of goes where it goes sometimes, but you Mm -hmm. want to be fair. And I don't want to always, I don't want to ask 10 different questions to 10 different candidates because I feel like I won't really get get a good gauge of each candidate in comparison to each other. Do you, so here's my thought. My thought is that, Rather than just have interview questions that you your um, HR team gives you and says like here here is our good salesperson questions go ahead and use these I I kind of think that I'm just I just by the way I just thought about this right now I literally just thought about this right now is it best to have like a structure of where you want to take the conversation and leave the questions to like wherever whatever the question. What, how, what, however the question comes up, you get to it, but it, but it, it, it's, it's more like conceptual. Like we want to learn about their history. We want to learn about, okay, well, let's say we, they want, we want to start with the why. Then we want to learn like what, what, what's been going on at their current organization. Like how have they been performing? What are some, you know, strengths and weaknesses? And then is that, am, am I onto something there? Or do you, do you take like the just like, hey, you need to ask these five questions every time or you're not going to understand if the candidate sucks or not? All right. So you, you've attended, I don't know if you were in all of my sales trainings, but yeah. you may have heard me use this uh, phrase very consistently when I teach them. Same with management, same with hiring. In the interview, it's structured mm-hmm. improvisation. Yeah. Right. And what I mean by that is, you have a structure, and you may have some core questions that you, I'll say, have written down, right? You electronically have them up on your screen, and you're going to ask those and type them in. But if you only ask those questions, and you don't listen to the candidate, and as you aptly described, let the conversation flow where it should go naturally, and follow some sequencing you know when you hear a clue you dig in then you've done yourself a disservice in interviewing so while you may have some core questions um that you're going to ask it it doesn't mean that you have to get to them all every time on every candidate and that if you don't you've somehow been inequitable that's not the case 
you know, an interview is a conversation. Now, I will tell you this. When it comes to selling and talking to a prospect, I'm all about logical sequence and acknowledging their answers. This might sound a little strange, but when it comes to interviewing, sometimes I won't acknowledge. I will move to my next question or I'll make a note that they said something. And then I'll circle back to that 15 minutes later and ask them a question about that. And the reason I do that, and sometimes I'll wait and and in the next ensuing interview, I'll ask a question that I asked in the first interview if I had any inclination that maybe I I was on to something that could be not a consistent area for their answer, I'll say. Look, let's face it, not everybody's yeah. it, right? Right. And 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 so a lot of times in the first interview, people will tell me something. I'll often circle back to that. I'm a really good note taker. I'm typing when we're interviewing and, you know, and, and I'm taking my notes. <clears throat> and I'll circle back sometimes in the second interview to see if I get a consistent answer. If we have multiple people interviewing, I'm really big on saying, hey, look, here's all my notes up front. Now, there is a theory out there among some HR people and some interviewers. Well, I don't want to see your notes because I don't want to be biased. Well, honestly, I, 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 I don't know how to politely say this, but it's about communicating. I mean, James, if you come to me and say, hey, I, you know, I interviewed Hannah and I love her. She's fantastic. I could, I could take that as a data point, but I should be able to conduct my own interview in such a way that I set your feedback aside, whether you're my superior, whether you're my uh, subordinate or my peer, it doesn't matter. I need to be able to assess Hannah, but your feedback of what you said, the core of it, should be communicated to me and, and, and be important, uh, and, and I should read over. You know, and, and look, just because you said she's great, that doesn't mean that I give her a, quote, easy time or an easier interview or it's a slam dunk. I follow my process. So I think um, that's such an important point. And you know, again, me, you're just saying that reminds me of something that we talked about when I first came on as a manager. We had a very enlightening and I thought valuable conversation about hiring. And one of the points you told me was don't fall in love um, or don't let someone fall in love fall for in you. Love. So like, I think that subconsciously, like yes. I could tell James, someone I interviewed that he hasn't, Oh, I love this guy. Like he's great. And then James kind of goes in just like you said, and is maybe easier on them. Like this guy's a slam dunk. And I think that's just such, such a good point. Yeah. And it, look, I'm not saying it's easy, but I think it's important, but, but to, to cut off the communication and say, look, don't share notes or opinions on the candidate ahead of time, I, I, I don't think it's good advice. Look, it, if you're saying try not to bias your, your peer, that's okay. But I should be able to communicate to James, hey, here's how they told me they performed. Here's what they said their reasons for wanting to leave their current uh, company are. Or here's why they left. Here's why they're interested in bondage. Here's, you know, five other data points about them. And if I can give those to him unemotionally, then I should say, James, 
I'd like you to dig into these three areas. I got really kind of vague answers on these. Can you dig in here? Uh, that's the way to communicate in the hiring process, yeah. you know. Totally. But look, just to go, oh, they're great, or yeah, I'm lukewarm on them. That that doesn't mean anything. And again, that's why performance is so important. I was interviewing with a VP, and we interviewed a person that he had worked with in the past, and um, God love him, he was really on board with following the process to a T, and even though he knew her, had worked with her, um, he had her do the, the sales mm -hmm. presentation, and it was mm -hmm. awful, and as a result of that, he said, you know what, Dan, I I can't in good faith hire this person because we had interviewed some other people yeah. that kind of knocked it out of the park. So he didn't let that past relationship Very smart. bias him. Look, it, that got her the interview, yeah. but it didn't get her the do, do, do you know, Dan? Dan but that right, so just, just so you know, your interview notes were so good that I was embarrassed about the way I was taking interview notes and giving feedback in Greenhouse that I started using your method to give notes and make sure that I am. That's the standard that I'm holding myself to because I, it was it was just uh, it was good. I won't give any detail because I don't you know, we, we still hire and I don't you know, I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if everybody needs to know in detail, but your format with. The way that you were submitting the feedback to HR, if they needed to give feedback to a candidate, was amazing. So, just yeah. wanted to uh, just wanted to let you know that I, I use your your feedback. Like, I basically when you sent it to me one time, I was like, "Holy shit!" I copied that. I have that. And then when I when we interview now, I just use that template, that format to submit my feedback. So, I thank think you. our listeners can tell this guy is good. Well, this has been a, a super super valuable and awesome conversation dan I, we appreciate I, you coming on <laughs> i have i have another question i have another question so Thanks. um i want i want to give i want to give your i want your thoughts on an interview experience i had and then i, I have a question just about the number of interviews in a sequence that are like when when is too many um what, what number is too many right um so uh, i i'm not going to give timelines or anything but so i interviewed at this company for sales manager position and that was the position. Maybe I shouldn't have even shared that. But I, I had a, I had a phone screening. I had, I had, an, I had a phone screening first. I had, then I had an interview with the sales leader that was was the hiring manager essentially. And then I had an interview with somebody who was the head of sales ops. Okay. And then I had an interview with somebody who was, I forget what his, his job title was. So now we're what, four, four in, we're four in. And then they wanted me to meet with a third party consultant that does personality testing for them and sit with this guy for two hours. And then there was another session that was going to be set up to give me, they were going to get the report, but I was going to get as my reward, I guess, wasn't, I I, I won't, I'll give my comment after I'll, I'll leave it. But so, and then I was going to have to sit with this guy for 30 minutes to an hour at my, my, at my leisure to go through my feedback from my personality test. And, and then I think at that point, uh, they would then hire me if I had met their personality criteria. I didn't, I did not partake in the personality test because I could have just told them I'm a huge pain in the ass and they can just, they can just know that I'll just let them know. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go through with that because I thought it was, it was crazy for that after I had done four interviews. Um, and, and 
to be frank, I was, I was, I, I had multiple options and, and that was the option that I, I just felt was, was kind of cumbersome. So what, what are your thoughts on that? And then can you just give just gen- general thought and then, um, we'll, we'll, we want to do five questions with you and then we'll, we'll let you run. But anyway, um, thoughts, please. Yeah, sure. I could, <laughs> hey, I could do this all day. Um, the, uh, but the, you, know, you guys have things to do. The, uh, look, it depends on the role and, and it depends on, you know, the level of expertise that they're looking for. Um, you know, I alluded to the, the other day, uh, or I'm sorry, the other day, look at me. Um, I alluded to earlier in this conversation that my wife and I own a small business here in Charlotte, but it's actually a pottery painting studio. So it's a combination of, you know, kind of waitress, but with some artistic bent, uh, with customer service, and there's really no selling involved because people come in and you don't have to sell them anything. They're picking something out to sit down and paint. Um, but we still have a process. But it's a one, possibly two-step process. But they're going to be there for the interview the first thing we do is we do some Q&A, we talk to them, why would you like to work here, what's your past experience, kind of the traditional stuff. But then we have a test. If, if they get through all of that and we like the personality that we're seeing and the enthusiasm, then we give every candidate that gets through that first part of it a test. And there's questions on it that I designed that you know they have to answer. And then we have a little we call a scavenger hunt where they have to go through the store and pick some stuff out. And then we sit there and look and see how they did. And, you know, some of that is based on, you know, the behaviors that we're looking for them to exhibit in the store. But it's a one-step process. But we're also paying, you know, these people are going to make minimum wage plus tips. So they're going to make 10 to $15 now, right? Now, I'm not belittling the fact that, you know, that, that income, but it doesn't, what the behaviors are don't warrant a multi-step process. But when you're talking about managing reps remotely or, you know, more complex behaviors that they have to engage in, like walking, at, you know, getting a, a prospect and then walking them all through the sales process right through to closing, along with funnel management, all that, you know, it, it depends on the role. It could warrant a much more robust process. You know, let's put it this way. You know, if guys going to do heart surgery on you, I would bet you would like them to have went through I would a prefer that. Process. Yes, yes prefer. definitely. You know? <laughs> so like, hey, are, are you a good heart surgeon? Are you a good heart surgeon? Tired. Yeah, I'm, I'm great. <laughs> okay, I'll take you with <laughs> I'll tell you, I learned a long time ago. And, and uh, you know, I had a lot of sports injuries, so I've had quite a few surgeries. And but I learned a long time ago, I, I always want I want to try to get the best guy at that particular discipline. And I always ask him, how many of these have you done? And you know, if the answer is, you know, less than a couple thousand, right. I'm probably yeah. moving on. <laughs> Good point. So um so look, when it, it really to answer your question, it's not that's a robust process and personality testing. Uh, I've been through multiple ones in, in, in my career. Uh, they're not uncommon, um, but uh, 
but that's a pretty robust process. But again, it depends on the role, depends on the pay, and depends on the technical act. So Dan's confirming that you are a pain in the ass, James. Yeah, it was a me problem. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't on them. I understand. Thanks. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> yeah, actually, what they said, man, is you know what? You don't have a personality, so we're not even going to test. James was afraid of the outcome of the personality that's test. That's what they told me. <laughs> I wasn't looking for yeah. nasty. I just didn't <laughs> tell myself everything's okay, and uh, that's it. All right, so um, Dan, <laughs> we have five rapid fire questions for you. We're going to do this as rapid fire as possible. These are questions that we did not prepare you for. Some are sales related, some aren't. Are you are you ready? Hey, and oh, that's true. That's true. We'll do the topic one... at least. <laughs> exactly. All right, but am I supposed um, to answer yeah, rapid let's fire? Try it, see how it goes. Here, we are, here we are. All right, first question. All right. What is the biggest gap organization ha organizations have when it comes to sales enablement? I'll say you, you say sales training, sales enablement. What is the, the most common gap that you see? Uh, they hire non-sales people to deliver sales. Okay, training. simple answer. I like it. Wow, mind blown. What is your least favorite thing about sales? Uh, Ron, how many meetings? Um, elaborate, elaborate, please, sir. <laughs> sure. It's when uh, upper management. Uh, basically dictates what your funnel should be instead of just looking at the realistic portion of your funnel. And so then there's just a lot of foot stomping and yelling and you've got to do better. Um, and, and those aren't, uh, those aren't uncommon in, in sales. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why, why are you asking if you're just going to tell me, I think is, is the, the motto of, of those meetings or should be the motto. All right, here we go. Yeah. What right. is your favorite non-sales book? <laughs> Yeah, my non favorite non-sales book. Well, it'll have to be it have to be current because I read it. It doesn't matter. Are we talking nonfiction? Oh, look, that's a hard two. question. All right, give uh, us three. Give us three. Give us three. Right um, yeah, that, maybe it's just something you're interested in that you're reading right now. Uh, I'll. All right, top of my head, some of the books that have the most. I'll, Positive impact on my life. Um, okay. The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Uh, to the point where uh, I would buy it and just give it out. Mm. I used to give Love it out to all my employees. I stopped doing that about six or seven years ago, but I probably handed out or sent to friends and relatives, wow. I don't know, 40 copies of that. Um, I found it kind of profound. Um, and then um, there's an author that I think she's kind of funny. And it's in the same vein of, I'll say, personal development and positive mindset. Her name's Jen Sincero, and she wrote You Are a Badass, and she followed it up with You Are a Badass at nice. Making Money. And so uh, I, I like that I've book listened to that. You not the, not the one about money, but You Are a Badass um, is a good one. Yeah. Um, but if you haven't read You're a Badass yeah. at Making Money, I, I thought it was great. And she makes me... There, the way she phrases stuff, literally. Oh, yeah. No, I got to pick that one up. 
Um, Salt for Happy. I'm staying with nonfiction right now. Salt for okay. Happy by, by Mo Gadot. Um, it's about managing your personal happiness and taking accountability for that. And it was an engineer's perspective yeah. on finding What's happiness. It um, so those are uh, uh, Salt for Happy. Or happy. But, and the office is taking, taking notes right now. Off. You're just like speaking my language right now, Dan. I got, I, so Dan, I got Hannah and my, the whole team. I, I bought them all sales books for Christmas last year. And like Hannah hasn't read the book yet. So um, she com- she confessed to that. No, I've read half of it. And I, yeah. Oh, okay. It's yeah. actually sitting on my nightstand, just glaring at me that I've only read half of it. Yeah, look, I could go on and on about books. I will tell you that. Uh, I told my team advantage. Uh, I wanted them all to read "Make Your Bed" um, by the Admiral and I'm blanking uh, uh, McRaven, Admiral McRaven, I believe. Uh, tiny little book. You can read it in one evening if you wanted to. Great book. Great perspective enhancer called "Make Your Bed." Um, super book. So that's something I've read recently. But I, I, I also love to read. I'm usually reading two books at one time. Something on personal development. And that's hardcore. Awesome. That's really hard. So, yeah. Um, All right. I love Lisa Gardner's. Dan's stuff. a reader. My All, right. New All right. Here we go. I love it. All right. What is the worst sales training experience you've ever had? The worst sales training experience I've ever had. Do you mean from the perspective of being a participant? In a corporate training or yeah. in I didn't a, specify in a sales training. I didn't specify, I but um, whichever is the worst of the worst from those two options. Yeah, the worst of the worst is I was putting together uh, a sales training for a company called Paytech, um, and I was there for. 12 years and loved it. They were the, the, the company that was bought by industry. But we relied on products needs to help deliver as many sales training organizations are smaller. And so I would bring in my favorite product expert and I would vet them. You know, I would have them do a presentation for us before I let them in front of a group because otherwise it could be a disaster. But we had a circumstance occur where our my main trainer got sick and we had to sub in this guy and we were in Florida. He flew down to Florida. We had a group of probably 20 new hires in the room. And I'm at the back, and I'm really particular about training delivery and how it's done. And this guy literally had like 100 slides, and he stood at the front of the room with his back to the audience and was reading the slides. And I was losing my mind. To the point where I just said, okay, break time. And I stood up for the back of the room because I never left. I would just stay in and I watched all the product training and everything. And uh, anybody that worked for me, any of my crew can attest to the fact I'm really particular about delivery. And uh, I shut it down. And we just didn't have that product delivered. One of my guys got up and he did a better job. And and so I learned never, ever, ever violated the process. Didn't get to see the guy, let circumstances dictate, and it was like making a bad hire. And it was incredibly painful and embarrassing. Wow. And I apologized to the class. And 
look, I, I told the guy, I go, look, hey, this is just isn't for you. I appreciate yeah. you coming down. It's not for everybody. Place. You suck. You no, definitely not. That. That's brutal. Right. Last, <laughs> last question. Dan, if you had never, if you never got into sales, what, what would have been your alternate career choice? Yeah, stuntman. I, uh, I actually really to go to stuntman college. Stuntman. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, stuntman. Um, yeah, I, um, I had had my own stunt diving team in college where the finale was they would light me on fire and I <laughs> would come off the highest place that, you know, they had it, whatever venue we were at, whether it was a three-meter board or a 10-meter tower or a cliff. Um, and so I did a lot of daredevil stuff when I was young. Um, and this picture, I don't know if you can see that. Here, put it back. Hold on. The you're right. yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. There it is. That's you upside down? <laughs> I can't see the whole thing. Yeah. I'm doing That's a reverse crazy, off the cliff of the Georgian. Wow. I came off the cliff wow. of the Georgian Bay. And, uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, that's that, really that cool. So now I'm glad I like multiple, but the multiple surgeries was making more sense. Now. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, that explains that's, that's, a lot, right? <laughs> you know, and be, really I'm cool. a martial artist my whole life. So I have uh, black belts in Taekwondo and, uh, and combat. That's really cool. I think that's I like a perfect it, place so. to end a wonderful conversation. Just a super interesting fun fact about you totally i love that um, yeah so so dan um <laughs> if people want to get in touch with you connect with you learn more um about you or from you what, what's the best places for them to do that uh yeah they can uh you know um i'll tell you what i'll give you my personal email uh dreinbold54 yeah, we'll you can publish that if you want uh uh, you know, and uh, of course, uh, reach out to me through LinkedIn, which comes into that mailbox. But if they want to uh, email me directly to that, awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, man. We need to do it again. It really soon. I feel like we didn't hit on, I, I could hit on more, more stuff, but we're at an hour. I, you know, I didn't want it to get crazy here. We can always do more. I completely agree. Part two coming soon. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Appreciate Dan. it. Hey everybody, hope you enjoyed that chat with Dan. Remember, if you like the podcast, please subscribe, please rate, please leave a comment. Thanks, talk to you next time.